I'm Brian Scordato, and this is the Idea to Start a Podcast brought to you by Tacklebox. We accelerate ideas into real companies through the Tacklebox membership, and we think through startup strategy every Wednesday on the Idea to Start Up Podcast. You're here because you're thinking about an idea, or you're ready to launch something, or you already launched something and you're running full steam ahead. We're here to help with the counterintuitive stuff. On to it. Today, we're talking marketing. Specifically, describing what you do in a sentence so powerful it gets your customers to stop what they were doing and pay attention to you instead. If you don't get why coming up with one sentence is worth its own episode, you haven't tried to do it yet. Bless your heart. In some ways, I envy you. For anyone else who's agonized and lost sleep over which 10 words will convert customers at the highest rate, how to possibly limit this thing so close to your heart to 10 words, today, we'll teach you how to find them. By the end of the episode, your 10 words will be written, whether it's for a website or a social ad or the first sentence of a cold email. And we'll start with the best marketing I've seen in a long time. Once a week, I leave my little suburban oasis in Connecticut and hop on the 642 AM Metro North commuter train to work from New York City for the day. I miss the city terribly, and I love these days. Maybe even more than the city, I love the train. It is so rare that hundreds of people are on the exact same page, but that is what the 642 AM train to New York is. If you had to sum up the 642 in one word, it would be precise. The riders of the 642 have their routines honed. Last Thursday, I jumped on the train and grabbed a window seat. A stop later, a woman sat on the aisle. With skill, she pulled out a laptop case and flipped a MacBook out and open, all the while balancing her coffee on her knee. Then she popped in AirPods, pulled out her iPhone, opened up Spotify, and hit play on what I could see out of the corner of my eye was a playlist called Thursday Train Mix. The first song, Drops of Jupiter. Can't make it up. Two stops later, someone who just boarded the train and was walking the aisle looking for a seat stopped abruptly and their face lit up. Jim, what? I didn't know you took this train. The seated man, apparently Jim, jerked his head up and smiled wide. Chris, no way, how are you? But within seconds, a man a few rows back said, as politely as you can say this, All right. Both men snapped out of it and realized where they were. The seated one whispered, We'll talk soon. The other nodded, they quietly shook hands, and off the first man walked back to his search for an aisle seat. No one is bigger than the 642. Editor's note, for some reason I decided to copy and paste the script of this podcast into ChatGPT and ask what it thought, and it said the train anecdote was, quote, nonsensical, broke all momentum, and would likely lose listeners. Well, that's just like your opinion, man. Anyway, after I got off the train, I hopped on the subway to 14th Street, then began my walk downtown to the office. About 15 minutes in, I was distracted. On a random block in Soho, I noticed a bunch of people looking at the ground and laughing. Nearly all of them had taken out their phones and were snapping pictures. And that is when I saw the best marketing I've seen in a long time. There was a sticker on the ground, and it said, Shala, give me a ring. And then there was a QR code. I realized people had taken out their phones to scan that code and go to the site, and I did the same. The website was simple, a page out of the old Misconnections playbook. It said, hey, I'm Aaron. And then there was a picture of Aaron. It continued. We chatted here while you waited for an Uber last weekend, but I didn't get your number. I'd love to talk more, and I didn't know how else to find you. Then it had his number, and it said, text me. And that is great marketing. But the question is, why? Why is that so good? Well, 
you've got to start by thinking about what good marketing actually is. Good marketing isn't about creativity or persuasion. It's about having the discipline to choose someone specific. Your customers are going to filter out 99% of marketing noise automatically. The only way to avoid that fate is relentlessly narrow targeting, which brings us back to Aaron. He did the most powerful and rare thing in the world. He chose someone, Shala. His sticker with a QR code didn't say, quote, any good looking women in their 20s, give me a ring, or even, quote, anyone single who lives in this area and loves Star Wars and Thai food, give me a ring. Those would easily get deflected by our filters because they aren't really for someone. Those characteristics aren't defining. Shala, obviously, is. But the next question is, why did people who weren't Shala care? Because just the act of choosing someone is so rare, people find it irresistible, even if we aren't the ones being chosen. And I can prove it. As I watched everyone smile and laugh about the Shala ad, I overheard two separate conversations that went like this. The first, you should call him. Yeah, you aren't Shala, but anyone who does something like this is definitely worth a date. And the second, I'm so jealous of Shala. I'm going to send this to my single sister and tell her to call this guy to get to him before Shala does. Just the fact that he chose Shala made him desirable to people who weren't Shala. Standing for something is attractive, and I don't just mean that in the sexually attractive way. I mean it attractive like a magnet. Knowing who you are and saying it pulls people in. When our startups decide to get serious about marketing and actually choose a specific customer and describe them in narrow terms in their messaging, you can set your watch by the inbound emails that'll come from customers they specifically weren't targeting, who are suddenly interested. I know we're not your targeted customer, they'll say, but could the company make an exception and work with them? You can also guarantee a bunch of inbound from the right customers who say that a friend of theirs saw the marketing, realized it was a problem they were trying to solve, and forwarded it along. Just like how if you were Shala's friend and saw the sticker, you'd text her and send it to her immediately. Choosing someone travels well. If you've got a startup or even a startup idea you want to test demand for, you immediately see how hard this is. Because sure, this guy could easily choose Shala, there was just one of her. But who do you choose? You could help all sorts of people. How do you narrow it down? And then, once you've chosen them, what do you say? How do you make it clear to them that you chose them? Well, We'll get there. After, a little smooth jazz. Idea to Startup is brought to you by Tacklebox, an accelerator for people with ideas and full-time jobs. If you aren't sure what to do next, we've got a step-by-step process that's helped people build tons of businesses worth lots of money. It's got 25 hours of content, examples, and templates, all organized in the tight seven-block path. If you get stuck and need feedback, I meet with founders personally every other week to organize sprints and help with tactics and approach. If you get lonely, we've got a bunch of other founders building alongside you. They're talented and driven and all in absolute delight. I handpick each one. If that's interesting, apply at gettacklebox.com. Choosing a customer and the knowledge spectrum. How do you choose to focus on one customer if your business could potentially help a bunch of different types of customers? isn't choosing one cutting off your growth opportunities. First, you need to recognize that there's only one way your business is going to grow, and that is to make your first customers wildly successful. So successful that they need to tell people about how successful you've made them. You can try Facebook ads and niche channel marketing and whatever else, and it might supplement growth a little bit, 
But the only real way to grow is to help your first customers make a status level jump. If you're selling B2B, you need to get your champion promoted. If you're selling B2C, you need to create serious envy from that person's current peer group. If you do that, they won't be able to shut up about it and you'll grow. So that is your answer. The customer you choose is the one you're most likely to be able to help make wildly successful. Practically, this doesn't mean making someone up who theoretically might be a good customer. It means actually picking someone, someone you know, someone you've spoken to. If it needs to be, it can be you, assuming you would be a perfect customer. Then you build everything around that person. Here is an example. Someone wrote in recently with an idea they were toying around with. After a fairly solid lasagna pun that I'm not going to include because I'm the pun guy here, they got into it. I'm quoting with permission. So here's the idea. People, and specifically businesses, have no clue how impactful air quality is on their performance. I've done a ton of research, but the TLDR is that as CO2 and PM2.5, which stands for particulate matter, which are fine inhalable particles 2.5 micrometers or smaller, as those increase, cognitive function plummets. And I mean plummets. A study by Jose Guillermo Cedeno Laurent, editor's note, what a name, a research fellow at Harvard's Department of Environmental Health who ran a study on this said, quote, the study suggests that poor indoor air quality affects health and productivity significantly more than we previously understood. As PM2.5 and CO2 levels increased, people had dramatically slower response times and seriously diminished concentration ability. They scored lower on cognitive tests, motor skills decreased, and worst of all, no one affected noticed. The product I want to sell is first a diagnostic and then a filtering plan. I'll take readings for a few weeks, then help install new ventilation and tracking systems. Very few people measure at the particulate level now, so this would be new. And my razor razor blade thing is that I'll do maintenance, switch the filters every three months, give reports, and on and on. What do you think? Well, I think it's a great example use case for this episode. I responded, quote, have you got any marketing or cold emails drafted yet? And who'd you send them to? Within a few minutes, I got a response. Yes, they said, but nothing has worked. There were three cold emails attached. The first, hi, we help you improve working conditions and output by maintaining a healthy level of CO2 in the air. Studies show, and then there was a bunch of study stuff. The next email was similar, but swapped working conditions and output with critical thinking skills and attention to detail. The last had a bit of a different approach. You could be unwittingly hurting your workers, it started. It sounded a bit like those old letters that used to come and say, you might have already won $10 million. I used to get really excited about those when I was 10. These had been sent to all sorts of potential customers, schools, office buildings, machine shops, factories, and as I mentioned, none of them worked. Great, I responded, but who is the best possible customer for you? Who already knows about CO2 and is trying to fix it but can't? Or who prioritizes their workers' productivity to an extreme degree? Or who's required by law to keep certain air quality levels but struggles to do it? For who is this problem, bad air quality, Urgent, painful, expensive, growing, or frequent. Who can you make wildly successful? I'm not sure, he responded. There are places like machine shops where you might be able to decrease injuries or negligence. There are also some tech firms that might be interested. But actually, I think the best conversation I had was with a guy who ran a hedge fund. 
A friend introduced us because they knew what I was up to, and they knew that he was obsessed with gaining unique competitive edges. He'd installed an infrared sauna and a cold plunge in his office, and he'd given all of his employees aura rings to track their sleep, and he had a private chef that made them super healthy balanced meals for breakfast and lunch. I think he even gave them mattresses. Maybe him? Great, I responded. Pop that hedge fund manager's process in an email and shoot it off to a bunch of other fund managers. See what we get. And he did. The messaging read, quote, Hi, you've hired a private chef, given employees personal trainers, and handed out sleep trackers, all to maximize creative trading potential. But the biggest impact on your trader's cognitive ability, by far, are CO2 and PM 2.5s. And you aren't tracking those or doing anything about them. His response rate on that email was over 50%, and a bunch of managers who responded said they were well aware of how important air quality was and had been figuring out the best way to handle it, but had run into a few walls. Pick a customer, get responses. We call that process the actions and thoughts that lead up to your customer solving the problem, inflection points. Describing those points accurately, you did X, Y, and Z, you learned about A and B, you watched C, and now you're ready for D builds enormous trust. Here is an exercise we have our members do that I call the conference. I suggest you give it a try. It's a thought exercise, and the idea is that you're getting a booth at a conference with 5,000 attendees who could all be potential customers. Question is, what would you put on your banner to attract their attention? How can you make it so that 90% of attendees walk past your booth, recognizing that what you're doing is specifically not for them? But 10%, the right 10%, stop dead in their tracks. Those 10% feel like you're speaking directly to them and not a single one walks by. How? What would you say? Pick the customer, message specifically to them, leave everyone else out. The end. After I saw the Shala ad in New York City, I walked down another block and saw a line spilling onto the sidewalk. It was for a coffee shop. There were literally three other coffee shops on the block, but this was the only one with a line. I got closer and saw a sandwich board out front. It read, quote, You've been looking for Vietnamese-style coffee in New York City, and coffee plus condensed milk doesn't count. Welcome. This messaging chooses a specific customer. If you love Vietnamese coffee and you can't find it, this problem language speaks directly to you. And the specificity of the problem builds trust. If they know you think coffee plus condensed milk isn't authentic, you trust them to make it authentic. It had to be tempting, a coffee shop in New York City, to just say, quote, delicious coffee or the best coffee or to throw out a two-for-one sale. Anything to get people in. Anything to not miss anyone walking by who felt like a cup of coffee. But the way you grow is making your customer wildly successful. And for the people that want Vietnamese coffee, finding a great cup would do that. So, Messaging specifically to those people and ignoring everyone else walking by who you could make regular coffee for is the strategy. And if anyone listening does know Shala, let her know our guy Aaron's looking for her. This was the Idea to Startup podcast brought to you by Tacklebox. If you have a startup idea and a full-time job, head to gettacklebox.com and apply. We'll get back to you in 72 hours and we could be working together by the weekend. Have a great week.